Welcome back to the Oscar Rewind Podcast, where we are here to discuss one final film of the 1979 Oscar year, and of course, to end all of the nominated films of that current year, we are going to be discussing the winner of the Best Picture Award itself, which is going to be The Deer Hunter. And to help break down this very long three-hour film, which is undoubtedly going to be a very long three-hour podcast. LOL. We have Andrea. How are you doing? I am doing well. have a lot going on right now. Just getting everything last minute for the wedding completed. Um, I feel like I have so many things going on right now. My mind's a little chaotic with everything. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I should have said Andrea Tennis. I should, I should have said your last name on this podcast. That's the final time I'll ever be saying that on the podcast. Wow. Pretty crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, this is the final time the listeners are going to be listening to your voice as mm. a unmarried woman. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. I suppose you're right, though. Well, you're marrying into these jokes. So I'm glad you find it somewhat I know. It's hysterical. Yeah, I got something to look forward to. You got these jokes for the rest of your life. Baby. So lucky, so blessed. Yeah, truly, <laughs> you really are blessed. You really oh are. I think, I think you joke about it, but clearly, I'm the best you're ever gonna get. Whoa! And clearly, wow. and clearly, we saw the best you're ever gonna watch. We watched the Deer Hunter, baby. Wow! You just gave me like a sick burn. <laughs> what? I'm just trying to have a nice transition to this this film we just watched. Oh, I see. I see. That's fair. Yeah, so we just watched The Deer Hunter, a mm-hmm. uh, three-hour epic, you could possibly say. Uh, what was your thoughts uh, right off the bat of the Best Picture winner? Obviously, the Academy liked it. Did you like it, Andrea? You know, I think I might surprise you here, but I actually really like this film. Um, I just saw my friend Andrea, and I told her I had to come and do a podcast, and she said, what movie are you guys reviewing? And I said, The Deer Hunter. And then I said, I highly recommend watching this. You know, I thought it was going to be about war, which it is a little bit, but yeah, little. there's a, like a lot more to the storyline than just the war. I think Robert De Niro was phenomenal. I honestly think he's, he's always at his peak, but this was really good. And I'm going to assume this movie also uh, won, him, won him an Oscar as well. No, it did not. Wow, I'm so shook. He was so good. Um, Very intense kind of guy, kind of silent type. But yeah, overall, he he was the the one that got, basically got them through the war. Yeah, he's incredible in this film. Yeah, no, it's one of my favorite Robert De Niro performances, actually. And yeah, this was probably one of my all-time favorite Robert De Niro films. And, you know, he has so many great movies, but this one really stood out. Number one, because I didn't think I was going to like it at all. Um, It was one I was dreading, but it kind of turned out like a Rocky story. Like, I thought I was going to hate Rocky, and I really loved Rocky. So, and I I really like the deer hunter, too. (laughs) You know, these Oscar winners, they they surprise you. Rocky and this, uh, the winners kind of sneak up on you. I definitely wouldn't say this is... Even in my top five Robert De Niro performances. But that's just because Robert De Niro really is. I'm really thinking about probably one of the best actors of all time. Like, I think think me and you are both in agreement that Frances McDormand's probably both of our favorite actress of all time. Mm -hmm. I never really had a favorite actor of all time. I guess I always say John Goodman as a joke because I like... Three of the movie, three of the movies he's in is in like my top twenty, but two of them are voice performances. I'm really, you know, it's, I wouldn't really say he's like a phenomenal actor. I just seem to like everything he does. But I, I, the more I think about it, I think Robert De Niro might be up there as just an actor I absolutely love. I think Raging Bull is my favorite performance of his. I really, really like him in The King of Comedy. I think that's just a super fun film for him. And, you know, I definitely think this is a really good film. This is definitely a different film for him. And I think that's 
a good reason why some people might have this as his favorite. Mm-hmm. He looks very different, mostly because he's got some facial mm-hmm. hair and he doesn't really have facial hair in any other film that he does. So that kind of just makes him feel different right off the bat. And he does kind of have this quiet but haunting demeanor, similar to Raging Bull, where his presence is always felt, but in this time, it's more subdued. Uh, you know, Raging Bull is very... You know, he's, he's, he's a very loud, crazy guy. And in this film, he is intimidating because he's so quiet and because you really don't know what he's thinking some of the time. So I think he's really good in this film. There's no denying that. Uh, I see Andrew's pulling up the list here, and I see wow. Goodfellas right off the top. And I don't know how I forgot about that. Obviously, Goodfellas, he's incredible. I think he's fantastic in wow. that film. Well, no, I'm looking at and I see Taxi Driver, which I also really like yep. as well. Um, that actually might be my favorite. But this one, honestly, it, it leaves an impression on you, like how the war really affected him and what he went through before the war. That's that's what makes it so good. You get a little bit before, you get the war in the middle, and then at the end, you get him coming back and you know, coming back from war and everything. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the three hours is going to help here, but it's a really great lead performance because we get so much depth with this character. Uh, we get the before, the middle, and the after of his experience of the war. And so, yeah, Robert De Niro has a lot of meat to this bone for his performance. So that definitely helps. It is surprising that he lost. Uh, he lost to a performance that we already discussed, which was Coming Home. That's the performance that won Best Actor. Oh, wow. Hmm. So a little surprising, but, hmm. you know. That an, is another a little good, Another surprising. good performance. It was good, definitely. Yeah. But I still like this more. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, that's the beauty of these films. Uh, everybody kind of takes away something differently here. Uh, the Deer Hunter, which is, I believe, a 4.1 on Letterboxd. One Best Picture, so obviously it's beloved by the Academy. I believe it's in the top 100 of all time. It's, it's considered one of the best films ever made. Ooh, I just realized, I think we have Deer Hunter on our poster. I can scratch yeah, it off Yeah, we, we have a poster of some popular <laughs> films, and it is indeed on that. I love that. And, uh, you know, despite so many people loving it, uh, I was not one of them. I, I don't think this was my kind of movie. I'm glad you liked it more than me. I'm, I'm glad, wow. glad someone had a good time with it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into it. We discuss the the story, and you know, we'll we'll get into our thoughts while we walk through the film here. But beforehand, let's discuss the nominations this movie mm-hmm. got. As we already said, it was nominated for lead actor, but did not win it. It was nominated for supporting actress, cinematography, and original screenplay. It didn't win any of those either. Yikes. However, it did win supporting actor directing editing sound and of course best picture was uh was supporting christopher Watkins? yes yeah so we can go straight into the three performances here if you want mm-hmm. because i do think all three characters are really the the face of this film like they're, they're all great and i guess there's a lot of other major characters here including steve who ends up you know uh getting really he despite not being as big of a character as these three these are really the focus points of these three we still mostly follow his storyline he gets married in the first half he gets married in the first third of this movie and so we really follow his wedding at the beginning of this movie then he goes to war you know faces uh you know some brutal moments there and eventually is unable to walk when he returns home and so his storyline, even just that, is pretty compelling. But unfortunately, compared to these three, uh, almost forgettable, even though he's kind of like a huge character in this movie. We really follow yes. his storyline. You know, he's kind of like the middle guy. Um, and I don't know. He seems to be important, but then he isn't. He's like a lot of films. I'm trying to think of uh, some examples here, but The Fighter, right? Where I believe, was it Mark Wahlberg? Did he get nominated for Best Actor in that film? I don't believe so, but despite him being the lead character, the standouts were Amy Adams and Christian Bale, who ended up winning. Yeah. Sorry, Amy Adams was nominated, Christian Bale won an Oscar. So despite Mark Wahlberg being the lead in The Fighter, uh, you know, 
he's not the one that people remember when they look at that movie. Mm-hmm. And there's so many films like that where you kind of have the straight man who people kind of just forget about and they focus mm-hmm. on all the really fun, goofy characters. So, you know, uh, I thought his performance was... I thought his character was great, I guess. I guess his performance wasn't too outstanding. And so maybe that's why these three were the ones that got all the nominations and, you know, one of them got the win in comparison to him, especially for supporting actor. That's the one that got the win and it didn't go towards the guy that probably had more of the story revolve around him, but it was Christopher Walken instead. Yeah, no, exactly. And I didn't know about the nominations or wins when I was watching it. I instantly knew, okay, obviously Robert De Niro, Meryl Streep, and Christian Wa- and Christopher Walking were going to get nominated. Yeah. Like, I could instantly tell these three were stealing the show here. Even as someone that didn't love this movie, uh, all three of these characters had enough storyline to go on, had enough of a story mm-hmm. to have a compelling arc, and then their performance just on top of it made it very exciting. For me, of the three, my favorite performance was Meryl Streep. Mostly because the third half, like the final moments, I thought her character was really great. But in the first half, Christopher Walken was the standout. I, I was watching, I was going, oh my gosh, is he going to win Best Supporting Actor? I didn't know when I was watching, but in my head, I could feel it. Like That was a winning performance. I thought the first half of that film, he really was the heart of the movie. You could tell of his fear of never making it back home again. Uh, when he's talking to Robert De Niro. And Robert De Niro, who doesn't like anybody, only likes him. It's the only person he can console. Yeah. I really like that storyline. Like, they were, like, best friends. And even said at the beginning, all, like, all these other idiots. Like, you're the only one I would take deer hunting with me. Actual deer hunting. And, yeah, no, they had a really great friendship. And through the entire film, you see that, especially at the end when he goes back for him. It was yeah. great. Oh, so powerful. I think I sat at the edge of the bed the entire like last 30 minutes because I was so into it. Yeah, Christopher Walken is the reason why that, that works so well. I thought his character was really great. He really plays a good side character. I don't know if he's a good lead. I, I've seen a few films with him, and I don't necessarily think he... Mm-hmm holds up too well but as a supporting actor here with robert de niro who's always a strong performance they were incredible they, they really were really great in this film so i thought all three were worthy of their nominations i thought walken was a good winner i, I really do i think all three of these I, I can agree with them for the most part in regards to the directing and editing and sound since it won all of those so were there any from those categories that you thought were pretty worthy of the win Hmm. Well, I think I think sound was a dead giveaway just because, you know, they had all of the, like the war noises. And then the biggest thing for me was they play is it Russian roulette with the gun? Yes. Um and the clicking every mm-hmm. time it doesn't actually go off was pretty intense, I thought. I I really enjoyed it, enjoyed that part for the sound. I think directing is actually really well-deserved as well. I don't know. I liked the whole story overall. Like, it kept me on the edge of my seat, even though, like I told you earlier, I felt like it was kind of a slow burn um, because you're slowly building up to, like, learn who these characters are, what their personalities are. And then you also see why it's called the Deer Hunter as well, which I really liked them having the scene where all the boys were just went deer hunting in the woods it was it was great yeah i think those two are probably the most like standouts for me personally interestingly as soon as i mentioned the three directing editing sound you know directing editing are kind of bigger achievements to win but you instantly win for the sound category and it's for a good reason this Mm -hmm. is this film is an example on how sound design is done i agree with you completely uh you know like the rifles when they're hunting deers and stuff like that's all fine but it is the russian roulette segments the clicking of when they the bullet isn't in the chamber is so powerful and so Mm -hmm. intense that every time it happens you're like just waiting to hear if it's gonna do it or not like you really don't know especially uh, near the end you have no idea where this is gonna go like i really didn't know what was gonna happen and i think that the sound really helped build that excitement so definitely a fantastic win for that one i think sound was a good choice for that 
So we can move on to the, the, the we can go through the story here. This is probably the most well-known of the five nominations. You know, it won. This is considered one of the best films ever made. It's a pretty big deal. Once again, I do think it's interesting how much of a mirrored nomination group this is to the year after, right? How we were discussing how an unmarried woman then got followed up by Kramer v. Kramer and how mm-hmm. similar those two are with a you know, similar storyline, yeah. a similar theme about handling divorce in, in, you know, in the modern era. And once again, we have the deer hunter, which is eventually going to be followed up by Apocalypse Now the year after. It's That's so true. interesting to me how similar these two movies were. I guess now that we're on the topic here, you're a big fan of the Deer Hunter. Did you like the Deer Hunter more than Apocalypse Now? I absolutely did. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> I was—I don't know if you remember—I was not as That's big true. of a fan, um, especially with some of the scenes. Like they did have scenes that definitely—they seemed close to the same, but Apocalypse Apocalypse Now was so much more graphic. Mm-hmm, it was um, so graphic, and I know, like, it actually did represent scenes from the Vietnam War um, that were pretty accurate. I know talking to our boss, he said they were, like, very accurate. But I would say the Deer Hunter was more of a mild version of that. So, yeah. And maybe that's why I didn't like it, because they were too graphic for me. I'm not sure. I don't know why I didn't like it as much. That's fair. And to be fair, Apocalypse Now is a lot more of a war movie, right? Like, that is a pure war movie. Uh, this one's with a caveat, right? Like, Deer Hunter follows, yeah. uh, like, it, it's still about the Vietnam War, right? Like, like it's still about yeah. the same war. It kind of has similar themes that it's going for. So it's it feels similar, but this is much more of a drama. This is a drama slash war film, while Apocalypse Now is essentially just a war film. So I, I can understand that. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, I, I prefer Apocalypse Now a lot more than the Deer Hunter. Uh, I think more so visually. Like, you know, the, the the red and oranges on those shots. Like, I still vividly remember the final 30 minutes of Apocalypse Now. And to be fair, I give it six months to a year. I might, I might still remember those last 30 minutes of Deer Hunter. The, the ending is, is really it's good. So, the ending is so powerful. That's why I said I was literally at the end of the bed for it. Because I wanted to know what was going to happen if Robert De Niro was going to find Christopher Watkins. Mm-hmm. And I I wanted to know because they were best buds. Like one couldn't leave the other. Yeah. So we can move into the story here. The film starts off with two big points before we get to them going off to war, which the war doesn't really take place until about an hour or so in. And it is a three-hour movie, so they do spend um, some time on the war, but it does take a while. And that's why I think I liked it because the war wasn't the main focus. I had just enough of the war to like even out like the entire movie for me i think that's what made it good yeah honestly i say i'm not a big war guy but one of my you know couple complaints with this film is i kind of feel like they spent too little time with the war like i feel like i didn't understand the impact that happened to these people because we only got to spend like 30 minutes at the war i disagree with you because they had the one the most powerful scene that like really well i guess the second most powerful scene that kind of sticks out in my head is when they're actually captured by the vietnamese they're just trapped in that cage. Like, they have them in this cage, and then they're forcing them to all play Russian roulette until they're slowly just killing all the soldiers away. And then Robert De Niro comes up with this amazing plan on how him, it's Michael and Nick, are going to face off against each other. And then they're going to, like, slowly, like, overpower them by, like leaving like one bullet in the gun or i can't remember exactly when it got down to one bullet they were gonna pull it and shoot them or something i can't remember exactly but that scene was so powerful and then you know they freed steve you thought steve was gonna freaking die because he was in that cage under the like close to under the water he barely could breathe i don't know i that scene was crazy to me yeah, we could definitely discuss the plan soon. But before we get to the war, there were two main things that they have time for. One of them being Stephen's wedding. And yeah. then the other one being 
you know, uh, the boys going out and hunting deer. And those are kind of the two main ones that we focus on here. Uh, Which one really stood to you as like a good beginning introduction to these characters? Did you like the wedding or did you prefer the, you know, the men at deer hunting? I think I like the deer hunting better. I mean, it's called the deer hunter. And you also got to really see the guy's personalities. Like, you know, Michael seemed like a super chill guy, but then he kind of lost it at that one guy almost. And you can kind of see, like, when he hits his boiling point, he kind of almost loses it, but then he pulls it back in real quick. Um, Yeah, no, I think the deer hunting really showcased all the guy's... Um, who they were and you also have the character that we kept calling him chris farley because he looked very much like chris farley he was the funny guy um i thought that was very fitting so i don't know i think they all played really important roles and then the one dude's always forgetting all his shit and then michael's having to let him borrow it so i guess a forgetful character He's just a forgetful guy or whatever. But anyway, yeah. I don't know. I liked it. So I'm going to assume you're going to go the opposite of me and say you like the wedding better. Uh, I don't know what I liked better. I, I thought both scenes were pretty fun. I agree with you that I think the, the the hunting one, you know, all the guys hunting deer, it's a good way to see how all these guys feel about each other, uh, you know, mostly through the viewpoint of Michael. And, you know, uh, just with the deer hunting, it's very clear. Uh, Michael likes Christopher Walken, and that's about it. <laughs> he doesn't really like anybody else there. He makes, I think for that, he makes that clear from the get-go, for like the first 10 minutes in. <laughs> Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, you know, I liked the wedding. Uh, one thing of note is they both wore like crowns on their head during the wedding. Oh uh, you my know, God. We're getting married in about a week and a half, so we still have time to maybe see if we can get two crowns for the wedding. Uh, I think that's kind of a fun idea. Oh my God. Yeah, you would absolutely love that. <laughs> yeah. Best part of the movie. Uh, they gave me a good idea for the wedding. <laughs> Sounds good to Messy. me. Messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I thought the wedding was fun. I mean, honestly, I think it's funny that a lot of these three-hour epics in the 70s and 80s, or I guess technically, uh, sorry, I guess both in the 70s, The Godfather and this, these seven-hour epics starting with a wedding. Uh, both movies have a 40-minute section at the very beginning of the film where it takes place in a wedding. I think that's hilarious that, uh, I don't know, did the 70s really like weddings? Did they Mm -hmm. think that was the perfect way to build up some characters? Because honestly, they both kind of worked. I thought, obviously, The Godfather thought it worked a lot better. That that was, it's one of the most iconic scenes in the film, the the intro to the wedding. But I thought it was interesting that both these films, both Best Picture winners, maybe the Academy was pro-wedding. Probably. Yeah, so those were kind of the ways that they set it up. I do think it's interesting that he does tell Christopher Watkins' character that he'll only go hunting with him. He, he, if, if he wasn't there, he would just go by himself. He doesn't like these guys. And of course, we see near the end of the film when Watkins' not there, he does still go with these guys, but he oh, hates him. And, and he, doesn't even sh- he can't even shoot the deer. He's just shooting in the air. He, he, he doesn't even have joy in killing the deer because... He fucking hates it there. Like he, he, he just he, sits on the side and just starts yelling. He he hates it. Well, so that's what you got from it, and I agree. But I also think, it, it, yeah, it's it's because Nick's not there, and you know he needs his like best friend to be there for like moments like that. So I think that had a lot to do with it. I also think he kept thinking about you know Nick still being being in Vietnam as well. Um, yeah, I think that really had a lot to do. Nick really, it really impacted him not having Nick there. So we can get to the war here, and it was a pretty considerable jump for me, where they're like, all right, we're, we're all going to leave. Side, you know, a little side note, De Niro and Walken both have the haunts for Meryl Streep, which, you know, uh, in the late 70s, who doesn't, right? Uh, you know, makes sense. But... They leave to go to war, and then instantly cuts to them being captured. Like, you know, there is very little time of actual, like, war moments of them realizing how terrible it is out there. Uh, You know, obviously at this point, uh, how many movies have we seen and discussed war being terrible, including a film already that came out this year for Coming Home? Oh, we all know war sucks. uh, Maybe it was okay to trim a little fat here, especially because it's already three hours. But it really did feel like... 
bam, they took that car and drove off. And then uh, I, I blinked and they were captured and playing Russian roulette. Like, you know, the war, they pretty much just made one scene. I'm curious if they like filmed a bunch of scenes and during the editing room, uh, you know, one best editing, they just looked at the footage and just went, ah, let's just keep the main scene. We, we don't need the, we don't need the build up. Let's just jump right into it because we get straight to the three guys we knew from the first hour of the film, Robert De Niro, Walken, and I don't know, the guy Steve. that plays Steve. The three of them were captured. They're in this cage. And essentially, we get to the point where De Niro and Walken are the last two guys left. Everyone else that was in that cage originally has died. Or if you're Steve, you're in a cage underwater. Mm-hmm. And De Niro has this pretty interesting plan, which once again, De Niro's character, Michael, every plan he has is pretty interesting. And I think that's what is kind of funny about him as a lead character. I don't really know if any of his plans are even that good. Uh, but he's just so confident whatever he's about to do. He, he thinks it's the, he thinks he's got it. He's like, all right, this is the fucking plan. I got it. We're, we're getting yeah. out of here. And he, his confidence is so key that they always seem to work. But I don't know if this was the best idea where he, you know, he, he first pulls the trigger. He's fine. Walking pulls the trigger. He's fine. Goes back to De Niro and De Niro goes, all right, let's, let's get this real exciting. All right. Let, let's keep the. Let's keep the anticipation high, right? You guys tired of no one dying here, right? Like me and Walken, we're just chilling here. Let's put three bullets in the chamber, all right? Let's put three of them in. So our odds, instead of one in six, is now 50-50 on if we live or die. And of course, the guy's like, all right, let's do it. 50-50. Let's see if you guys get out of this one. So they put two more bullets in the chamber, and then that's when uh, De Niro has his big plan of then turning the gun around and shooting them with the three bullets and taking a gun and getting out of there. So it is a pretty wacky plan. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why those guys gave him two extra bullets, uh, but you know, uh, who wouldn't trust De Niro? You know, he's a trustworthy guy. Uh, and it was a pretty, it was a great scene, by the way. It was, it was really, really good. And literally foreshadows the ending of the film, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So, I, I do think the directing in this film, especially knowing that this was the most powerful moment of the film going in, right? And maybe that's why they cut off the rest of the war to really let us know this is the scene to remember from the war, right? Like, we're not even going to show anything else. This is what you need to take away from when they return, is this moment. So when we get to that ending, you feel every click. So, you know, uh, it, it it is pretty great. Uh, what was your thoughts, Andrea, of the war segment. You didn't mention it briefly before, but uh, was there anything else that you wanted to add? No, not really. I just really liked that scene a lot, and I think it really showed their characteristics. Like we already said, Daenerys is just so confident in whatever he does, and then Watkins, he is he's scared, but like he supports De Niro and like his choice and he kind of you know like follows follows after him and I don't know that's I think that's what really makes him a good duo together and then Steve is just off on the side by himself Steve cried a lot during the war yeah. <laughs> like a lot um and you know he's I think he's the other side where like you're really scared and he's actually like letting it show like how terrified he is of everything going on um yeah and during the war he looked like a completely different person to me as well I don't know if you realize this but during the wedding scene to the war at first I didn't even realize it was the same person until I finally connected it so yeah I don't know he looked really different to me so yeah and then I want to say, I also really like after the war, how all three of them were like, kind of like at three different stages as well. Like with what happened to them, none of them like really recovered, but they all kind of went just like different directions with how the war affected them or what happened to them in the war. You know, I found that really interesting too. Yeah. And uh, another example of Walken really being De Niro's angel on his shoulder here, mm-hmm. because De Niro was ready to leave Steven. Right, his yeah. plan was to just leave Stephen behind, 
because they have an opportunity to leave. And Walken mm-hmm. was really saying, we, we, we can't leave our guy. Like, yeah. he's right there. We, we got to go out and get him. Like, we, we got to look after our friend Steven. And so I do think Walken, really an, another good example of just how strong his performance was in this movie. He really was uh, uh, essentially De Niro's conscience throughout this whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just, they, they equaled each other out, really. Yeah, so we get back from the war, and like you said, Stephen is unable to walk anymore. I don't know if you notice any similarities, but Stephen's character is very much like the winner of the best actor performance coming home, where it's basically yeah. a guy that's unable to walk anymore, and he has this girl that's looking after him. You know, she's definitely, whoa, she's not even on the same page as the lead actress win for coming home. But it is funny how similar their storyline is. As like a side plot, obviously we're still focused on De Niro, who essentially is with Streep now. Meryl Streep, who was dating Christopher Walken's character, is now kind of with Robert De Niro. She has a lot of emotional and real tough conflicts with how she feels about the situation. I thought that a lot of her acting was really, really strong. Her character really, I don't think, could have been handled as well as how Streep handled it. I think if you given it to someone else, I just don't think it would have resonated with the audience as much. But Streep really was reconciling with, you know, moving on and being with De Niro because she doesn't like feeling alone and she believes Walken is dead and the only person looking out for her is De Niro and he knew what Walken went through. So she has a lot of emotional baggage that she's trying to take care of here. And on the flip side, Walken we know is left behind. Yeah, um, I was just going to say really quick, I think that, you know, they kind of just both wanted to be there for each other. But then Michael really, like, you can tell, like, he's into it, but he isn't because, like, Nick's his boy. He doesn't want to do that to him, no matter how strong he feels about Meryl Streep. I don't know. That's just kind of how I took it. Because you see so many scenes where he kind of pulled back, but then there is one scene that really shows them in bed. So, like, maybe they hooked up. I'm not 100% sure. I think it's just kind of open to your interpretation. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, my interpretation is that Daenerys kind of sucks in the second half of this movie. I'm sorry. Wow. I, That's rude. I know. I That's thought really I really love his relationship with Walken. I thought their brotherhood is so strong and compelling. Mm-hmm. And then I think. Obviously, the Russian roulette scene is fantastic, but I don't really like where his character went. I definitely saw it as, maybe we'll just leave walking behind and I can fill in his shoes, right? Like, he could have went in and celebrated when he came home, but instead, he decided to just wait till everybody left, so it was just Streep. Because he wanted to be, he just wanted to see Meryl Streep privately at first, because he Mm -hmm. just wants to be with her. Like, he definitely has this affection for Streep. I, I, I definitely took it as they hooked up. They were in bed naked together. and I He was al- passed out, though. Right, but he was passed out because she was showering, which I thought very heavily implied that they had sex oh. and she went to go shower, and then she came back and joined him in bed because he was naked in bed while she was showering. Mm-hmm. So I definitely thought that he hooked up with her. And he also knows Walken isn't dead. He obviously knows this. And he intentionally just kept that secret from Streep to let her feel like she can only rely on him as comfort. And so I feel like his character, which of course he is very guilty about it. He definitely has those moments where he pauses and he kind of dawns on him what he's doing and maybe this isn't right. Like he does feel guilty and he has this pressure for him. But he's still a terrible person. He's still I don't not think great. So. I I did not get that impression. That's but... fair. And to be fair, Michael's not meant to be a good person, right? He's a very layered, complex he's not character. Technically, a bad person either. I think he just thinks a lot about like what's going on around him. And yeah, he did. He does feel guilty. But then we have the scene where like Meryl Streep literally wants to sleep with him. She's like, let's be there for each other. And Michael just takes off because he's like, I can't do this. Yeah. Uh, so I think it really shows he is a role person if he did or did not, you know, sleep with her. Um, but then again, you also see what a role person is he is when he goes back to Vietnam just to try to find Nick. I think that speaks volumes of like his character arc. Like he... He also, I feel like, went back 
to find Nick for Meryl Streep as well. Oh, he absolutely. Wants her to be happy like he does he has like the entire film like even the beginning you can tell that uh De Niro is really into Streep uh but he's never gonna make a move because she's with Nick and that's just how it is like he's looking out for his boy that's how I don't know I took it yeah and as much as I don't like some of the decisions he made in the second half of the film uh, it, it's almost thrown completely aside in the last 30 minutes because as we discussed i think the last 30 minutes is 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 easily the best part of the film i really like how he goes back for christopher walken and walken really does seem completely changed as in like he just seems scarred and like a totally different person no longer this sweethearted conscience for De Niro to you know to rely on here and so I really think that Christopher Walken and De Niro's final moments here, and a little bit of a spoiler, uh, well, a little bit, a, a major spoiler, because we're going to be discussing yeah. the big event at the end of this movie here. So if you haven't seen the film, and you know you, you feel like we've convinced you enough at this point, I would say do it. <laughs> just pause this podcast and go watch the film, because the, the, the whole film leads up to this moment. And I feel like we've left a little hints at what is about to happen, but to keep it completely, you know, to, to make this really exciting for you, I think you need to watch this by yourself without knowing what's about to happen because Andrea and I both gasped audibly yeah. at the twist. Uh, and so if you haven't seen it, go check it out right now. Let's dive into the spoiler talk now. Daenerys trying to convince Walken to not play this game of Russian roulette, to not be another toy for all these guys playing around with him. And so he's trying to convince him to leave and he's not reciprocating that response. He, he will not leave. And so Daenerys says, all right, if this is how you want to play. If you will not leave this, then you're going to have to face me. And so Daenerys sits down at the table. It's just the two of them. They got the gun and they essentially repeat what happened way back at the beginning of the film that we discussed during the war where Walken puts the gun to his head, pulls the trigger, click, he's good. De Niro takes the gun, puts it to his head, click, he's good. Then they have that conversation, he's trying to, rec- he's trying to convince him, and that's exactly how the war happened, Where, but they both pulled the trigger once, they were both fine, and at that third trigger, instead of pointing it at their head, they turned it around and they escaped. And you think, okay, we're at this moment again. Mm-hmm. This third trigger, they're going to pull it turn it around, and they're going to escape together. But of course, Walken looks at him, and he even says, one shot, which is a line he said way back when they were hunting deers together as to what would happen if he was alone. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Walken puts the gun to his head and instantly pulls the trigger, which had the bullet, and he dies. Mm -hmm. And just a quick turnaround. When I think of the editing that this film won for, I don't think the editing is anything special or really great in anything no. in this movie except for that shot of him quickly turning the gun around and pulling the trigger because it was so quick but so like seamless because you instantly knew what was going on it wasn't confusing in any way you instantly understood what just happened it was a really great shot and a really quick edit that worked very well in that moment and uh you know we both gasped so i didn't see it coming yeah. i did not think that's what was about to happen and the story i thought was leading to him returning home, like you said to De Niro, I, 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 don't leave me behind. I need to return home, and he did. He did return home, unfortunately, uh, you know, as a dead body. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I really thought he was going to make it out there. So I thought that ending was really effective, and it still seemed to work really well for these characters. So I thought, as a whole, a pretty solid ending. Yeah. No. I really liked it. It was really good, really shocking. You know, yeah, like you said, you thought that Nick was just going to go back with Michael and everyone was going to live happily ever after uh, because he put so much effort into going and finding him. He paid so much money to find him. You know, you'd wanted him to go back because also on the side, Nick's also sending Steve money. Somehow, um, in the war hospital that he's living in now, because he has no legs, and money just shows up every month, 
you know, Steve doesn't know where it came from. But, you know, you just kind of wanted to see a happier ending for Nick at the end. You wanted him to go back to Meryl Streep um, and, you know, get married, make babies, whatever. <laughs> but no, this is war. So I think I think that's maybe why it ended the way it did. Nick just got sucked in way too deep. He kind of lost himself and he just couldn't return. So, yeah, it was it was. I don't know. It was really meaningful and deep. And I feel like there's probably something more to this ending, you know, being called the deer hunter. Like, I could also just be thinking way much too much into it as well. Uh, but I wanted to be like one of those titles that's like super meaningful. Yeah, and, and, and I think it was. I think that's what makes these films so much fun to discuss. A lot of these Oscar films are normally pretty simplified stories. Yeah. They aren't art house. They aren't meant to be complex or too, you know, into your head with these kind of things. But at the same time, these Oscar films are also meant to observe and kind mm -hmm. of make your own interpretation yeah. as to what these certain things might mean. So, yeah, I, I could definitely agree with that. So that's everything for this film. Is there anything else you wanted to discuss about the movie, Andrea? Anything else about The Deer Hunter? Mm -hmm. Not really. I think we really hit most of the points I wanted to discuss. Um, just the in-depth characters, the, the sound, the clicking of the guns. Um, you know, it makes me really wonder. Like, I'm going to assume this was real life during the Vietnam War where, you know, they made them play Russian roulette and people actually played this as a game because this actually blows my mind that this oh, is blows their mind too, Andrea. Game. Oh, you're funny. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. You learn a lot of stuff every time you watch um, a war film and the, the experiences that, that they kind of went through. We can discuss... The last two nominations that it received but didn't win. Uh, we discussed the rest of the ones here, but the last two that we haven't discussed yet is the cinematography and the screenplay. So for the screenplay, uh, we actually discussed the two other nominations for the Best Picture lineup, and that was obviously An Unmarried Woman and Coming Home. So compared to those two, uh, do you think it was just as solid? You know, the screenplay for this, I really liked. Do I think it's the strongest? I don't think it was the strongest. Um, I don't know. I thought Coming Home was pretty strong, and An Unmarried Woman was really good as well. So I, I don't think I would give it screenplay, necessarily. Yeah. Uh, honestly, even though I don't necessarily love The Deer Hunter, I think a lot of these nominations and wins are pretty justified. I think supporting actor, directing sound... Really good wins. I, I, I think those are the best parts about these film uh, about this film when you walked out. And, you know, uh, in regards to something like the screenplay, I don't necessarily think it was the strongest. I do think Coming Home and An Unmarried Woman were stronger. But I, I do think it was worthy of the nomination. I do think it was a good screenplay. Like we said, a lot of references at the beginning of the film return near the end. A lot of good lines and dialogue that really hit home how these characters feel towards each other. So yeah, I thought the screenplay was pretty good. Uh, and the last nomination it had was Cinematography. And uh, for me, Cinematography, I think it's fine. Were any of the other films this year uh, the winner for it? Uh, no, it doesn't look like it. So the, only, the, other, the only other film of these five that even got the nomination was Heaven Can Wait. Um, and honestly, that, even that film's not a strong no. film for Cinematography. So, you know... A uh, tough year for cinematography from the two that we've seen, at least. Maybe there's a real standout. Uh, if, uh, what, what was your thoughts on the cinematography? I'm going to quickly look at who the winner is while you talk. Yeah, no, all I said is I think that... Wait, did this not win cinematography? Or no, it's is... not. No, it's just nominated. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I don't think any of the films like were super strong um i would say maybe the only thing that made this film stand out a little bit is because you did get scenes from the war but overall i yeah i don't think it was a knockout of the park premiere or anything like that yes i just looked it up uh the winner of the 
the winner for best cinematography this year was Days of Heaven, which I don't believe either of us have seen, but we have heard of. And I, I want to watch shots. that. Yeah. I and, do want to watch it. And from the shots I've seen, it's gorgeous. Yeah. So, you know, people it's, say the Oscars keep missing out, but it, they killed it. What's that? His name's Terrence Evans or something? Uh, Terrence Malice. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, that's the director, not the cinematographer. No, the director. Yeah. 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 So, you know, uh, they, they keep seeming to kill it. I'll, I'll give them that. And looking back at all of the previous winners for Best Picture that we've already discussed, which, you know, for a quick little reminder is King's Speech, Going My Way, Driving Miss Daisy, Oliver, Gandhi, Wings, Rocky, Kramer vs. Kramer, and now The Deer Hunter. And for all of these films, we kind of like to compare how they do nomination and, you know, performance-wise for getting mm-hmm. the, uh, you know... Uh, in comparison to the nominations and wins the film receives during the big night. And, you know, the, a lot of the stats still seem to be the same. Almost every single film gets nominated for directing. I believe the only one, or sorry, the only two that don't is Driving Miss Daisy and Wings. Wings is always a caveat because it only got two nominations. <laughs> mm-hmm. And one of them is a, not, you know, and one of them, one of them is Best Picture and one of them is a category that is not in the Oscars anymore. So it's never, so it's not nominated for anything at this yeah. point. It's kind of an outlier. Uh, we'll put a little asterisk to it. I won't mention it for the rest of this comparison, but keep in mind, it, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, it also fits the bill here. But of course, editing, same thing. Uh, editing is involved in every single film on this list still every single one there's not a single one that we have seen that doesn't have the editing nom you know Mm -hmm. except for wings so that's something interesting editing has been a nomination that every single film we have discussed so far that's one best picture has received and we've seen a lot so far so it does not seem to be a coincidence it definitely seems to be a trend And of course, uh, another thing that is of note is performances. Every single film of all, you know, every single best picture winner that we've seen so far has, I believe, either a lead actor or a lead actress nomination. Uh, They always have a big performance, which I guess makes sense. Uh, You need to have a lot of the big trends here. You have to have good directing, good editing, a good performance. And then the last one is screenplay. I believe screenplay is nominated for every single one of these films, you know, except for Wings. So once again, uh, it definitely seems to be the four big categories that all of these films seem to have. It'd be interesting if we ever find one that doesn't have it, aside from Wings. So there you have it. That is The Deer Hunter. So Andrea, what would be your storyboard for The Deer Hunter? And for those of you that don't know what that is, uh, like I said at the top of this list of winners, the second winner we discussed was Going My Way. And aside from Best Adapted Screenplay, it also won Best Film Story, which we kind of threw together as a fun trending story for all of these podcasts, a fun little bit for all these podcasts where we give the quick two to three sentence elevator pitch on what the story for that podcast what the story for that film is. So Andrew, what would yours be for the deer hunter? I'm going to go with click, click one shot. Ooh, that's that's pretty good. (laughs) I wanted to use the sounds in it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You got to use the sound. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, mine would be, uh, you know, two bros, both like one girl go to Vietnam. And then, uh, only one boy's got to like the girl now. There you go. Oh, my God. Yeah, a little loophole, yeah. That's You're a, really, like, really sassy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the story of Robert De Niro. Uh, so, anyways, we both have Letterbox. You can follow us. I am at Quentin Phillipson. Andrea is at Andrea... Ballerina Shoe. Ballerina Shoe Emoji. Sorry, I, I knew so. that. What do you mean still? You just changed it like a week ago. This, this That's is a, a lie. One. It's been like since we watched Thunder Road. We're both on Letterboxd. You can follow us. We follow give our... You know, okay, sure. Follow Andrew Moore. Uh, we do give our scoring in the same style that they have it there, which is a 0.5 star to 5 star. Andrew, what would be your score for The Deer Hunter? Um, You know, 
like I said, I really like this film. I just, I just felt like there was like so much deepness to it, even though it was a little bit of a straightforward story. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with a four point five. Oh, yeah, I know. I thought it would shock everyone. <laughs> four point five. I liked it. I, I felt, I felt good about it. It didn't feel like a three-hour movie to me, and I'm someone that continuously complains about three-hour movies. I am definitely a 90-minute girl. A 90-minute um, girl. You hear <laughs> yeah. It? You heard it here first. Whoa. Yeah. Why do you take things out of context? I didn't take That's it out of context. That's movie terms. Jeez. Showbiz. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. A 4.5. I'm, I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Is this the first time we've really been divided? I feel like most of the time we are kind of what? always on the same page. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah. I feel like most of the time we are, we're, we're like a 0.5 away from each other yeah. or the same. Uh, so yeah, I think it's definitely different because I feel like you're going to give this like a two. <laughs> a two? Oh I definitely God. feel like you're going to do it really low. Yeah. It's not a two. Come on. This film, like we discussed, there's a lot of good things about it. Yeah. Uh, it's just for the most part, it just did not work for me. There's a lot of things that I just didn't find that exciting. A lot of choices that I didn't necessarily think were the right ideas i would have gone for is just a very good movie that is just very much not my thing and i am going to give it a three so you know pretty low still like i said yeah it is low this is a 4.1 on letterbox considered one of the best films of all time yeah i I try not to hate on it during the discussion i want to at least acknowledge a lot of the good Mm -hmm. things about this film i do think the film is good you know, uh, I just don't necessarily know if it's if it's my cup of tea, but there you have it. That is the Deer Hunter. Those are the five films from the nineteen seventy nine Oscars. We did it, guys, and I'm hungry. it might be an extra week long of a break because we're having a wedding, so yeah. we might not record until right after the wedding. But I think right after the wedding, we'll sit down and we'll do the Oscar ceremony where we're going to discuss all five of these films, what we're going to award in our opinion, the best picture, which might be exciting because it looks like we are divided here. So who knows what's going to win? Uh, That's kind of, you know, that's a little exciting. And then we are going to find out what's the next year for the Oscars that we are going to be discussing. uh, And I might have a fun twist for that. So we will see. Ooh, twist fun. All right. (laughs) See you guys later. Bye. Bye.